Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. JJ, does it matter to you that your starting quarterback's not there working out with you guys? No. Why not? Because uh, all I need to be there for is the first game of the season and play good. Friday edition of PFT Live. There was J.J. Watt. We played that earlier in the week. It's more relevant now because it sure looks like Kyler Murray will indeed be the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals when week one rolls around. And it will be here before you know it because we're checking the boxes on the offseason calendar. One week to go, technically six days, until the 2022 draft. And then we have the schedule release, and then we have the OTAs, and then we have the slight break between the end of OTAs and the start of training camp, and then it is on. We're on for the next two hours, and it's just me. No technical difficulties. No Chris Sims today. He never works on Fridays, although he is working next Friday, which means he's also not working this coming Monday. We have a special guest host joining us this coming Monday. I will disclose that at some point today, if I feel like it, we will have some guests throughout the course of the next two hours, so I don't have to sit here and just talk and talk and talk, and so you don't have to sit there and just listen and listen and listen to me. Najee Harris, Steelers running back, in a taped interview from yesterday afternoon, will be joining us coming up later this hour. Also, Mississippi quarterback Matt Corral, regarded by some, specifically Christopher Sims, as the top quarterback prospect in this year's draft. Another interview that was taped yesterday afternoon. And then a couple of live guests. Paul Allen, good friend from KFAN and voice of the Vikings in hour number two, and Hall of Fame head coach Tony Dungy. So we've got plenty to get to. Hello to the audience enjoying the program on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports in the UK, and the podcast audience. Off we go. And I'll start where we began at the very top of the show with J.J. Watt talking about Kyler Murray, somebody with a much greater influence on the future of Kyler Murray, the present of Kyler Murray, the contract that Kyler Murray will or won't sign with the Arizona Cardinals. He met with the media yesterday in this ongoing series of pre-draft press conferences. This is great. This is great. Create some news items that we can post at PFT. Most of the teams, coach and or GM, speaking to reporters. And for some teams, they don't want to talk about the draft. For some teams, there are bigger issues. For the Arizona Cardinals, how about the guy you drafted number one overall in 2019? GM Steve Keim addressing yesterday the possibility that the Arizona Cardinals could trade Kyler Murray. Here he is. There's been, a, there's been a lot of speculation out there, the possibility of you guys trading Kyler. Could you, can you rule that out? Zero chance. No, nothing's changed. And, and then, you know, really, the way we've approached it is we have free agency, we have the draft, and then 
you know, we'll take a deep breath and sort of refocus. And that's the same reason that every other player that's been a third-year quarterback has been done in the middle of the summer to late summer. And it's no different for us, you know. It's 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 just sort of the way that, that the system works. And um, but but nothing has changed in terms of him being our long-term and short-term quarterback. Steve, knowing that you at some point we're going to have to pay him, have you been think, talking about this plan for this for the last three years? Then? Oh yeah, I mean, listen. <clears throat> I was, a, I was a decent GM when Carson Palmer was our quarterback. When he retired, I wasn't very good. I'm not, I'm, I am smart enough to know that Kyler Murray makes me a better GM. So, um, he, you know, again, we took him with the first overall pick. We love him. The guys continue to improve. He's made us a better football team. So we're really excited about his future. I don't know that using a top 10 pick on a quarterback means necessarily that a Cardinals quarterback is a guy that you need to keep because they did use the 10th overall pick on Josh Rosen one year before earning the first overall pick and taking Kyler Murray. But look, this is how you slam the door on trade talk between what Kime said and what team owner Michael Bidwell said on Thursday. Here's Bidwell's quote. You see it on the screen. That's not happening, he said, in reference to a Murray trade. There's just too much outside noise that people listen to. We understand that's just part of what goes on these days with social media. It's just not the case. Yeah, you know, Michael, it goes on these days with social media because your quarterback started it on social media. Super Bowl week, removing all references to the Cardinals from his social media pages. Between Kyler Murray doing it and Debo Samuel doing it more recently, and obviously we'll be talking about him later in the program, I think we now understand that when something like this happens, it should not be poo-pooed. It should not be ignored. It should not be disregarded. And I think what happens, Shereen Williams and I were talking about this yesterday during one of the breaks of PFTPM, and I'll go ahead and say it. There are plenty of people who cover the NFL for a living who are lazy, and they don't want to have to go chase a story. Because, you know, if you're on salary... You don't get extra money for having another story land in your lap. And sometimes what will happen is somebody who doesn't feel like working the phones, who doesn't feel like trying to scratch the surface of a potential story, will just say, ah, that's nothing. Let me go back to watching reruns of Matlock. I really, I really don't want to have to try to figure out what's going on between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. That happens. And I'm not saying that. It definitely happened in that case. I'm just saying there's an inclination by some, and there are lazy people everywhere in every industry and every walk of life. We we all know who the lazy people are in our orbit, right? The ones who can be counted on to get things done and the ones who can be counted on to not lift a finger when push comes to shove. And I think that there's an inclination by some in the media who would rather not roll up their sleeves and work when something like that happens to say, ah, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, we're two for two in high-profile players this year, making major changes to their social media pages, which requires affirmative effort or at a minimum telling someone from your social media team to go scrub everything off there, but you're changing the status quo, there's a reason for it. And as it relates to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, I think it's a little more complicated. And I think what's going on here is Murray tried in a couple of different ways to agitate for the contract that he believes he deserves. I think that he recognizes, given the position that he plays, given the ever-present risk of injury, if he doesn't get his contract now, who knows what happens if he plays in 2022 and he gets injured in 2022, like he did last year, week eight against the Green Bay Packers, right before the end of the game, sprained ankle that knocked him out for several weeks. Remember at first, they're like, oh, he's not going to miss any time. And then he missed like two or three games. I think it was three and then there was a bye and then he finally came back and he was never really the same guy all year long. And we've been talking a lot about the link between Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. And Shereen made a good point yesterday, led me down a path that helped crystallize what the message may have been from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray. And it may have been, hey, Kyler, last year the Browns were ready to pay me. I wanted too much. I had a rough year because I got injured in week two, and now the Browns are done with me. And I disagree with it. I feel like I've been disrespected. We heard that from Baker Mayfield last week. But that's one of the risks you take. We love it when people bet on themselves. We were talking about this yesterday. We love it when they bet on themselves and win. It's a great story. Oh, oh, oh. Joe Flacco, the original 
bet on himself and won. And I'm sure there were others before that, but that one happened 10 years ago when he said to the Ravens, I don't want your contract offer. And he went on and won the Super Bowl MVP and he forced the Ravens to make him the highest paid player in football with a contract that was structured in a way that three years later, they had to make him the highest paid player in football again in order to get some cap relief. So well done. The ultimate all-in bet that paid off. But you know, sometimes you bet on yourself and you lose. And we in the media don't like to talk about that as much because we don't want to discourage guys from betting on themselves because it's a much better story when a guy bets on himself and wins. So if we kind of realize we're not going to make a big deal about a guy who bets on himself and loses, maybe guys will keep betting on themselves. But that's what Baker Mayfield did last year. I'm convinced that the Browns would have paid him in the range of $30, $32 million per year on a long-term contract, and I'm convinced he wanted in the range of $40 million per year on a long-term deal, and he wasn't wrong a year ago. It was a smart play, but it was a bet on himself that he lost. And if he and Kyler Murray are keeping in the kind of contact they were keeping in three years ago, I've told this story before, this isn't like humble brag, oh boy, look at me. I mean, we, we go to the Super Bowl, we interview guys, they show up, Kyler Murray was making the rounds that week. We had an interview with him. And while he was with me for 10 to 15 minutes, Baker Mayfield called him three times. He kept kind of laughing, not really complaining, like, oh, it's Baker again. Oh, it's Baker again. So they're close. And if I'm Kyler Murray and I have a very good friend who just went through last year what I'm potentially going through this year, hell yes, I'm paying attention to the lessons he learned. If I can learn those same lessons without having a bet that I place on myself blow up, so be it. So I think that's an important factor in all this. And I think that's why we've seen an unexpected thawing on the same day that Steve Kime says, no chance. And that's how you slam the door. As I said, you don't say no intention. You say no chance. No intention means, yeah, we have... No intention of trading him. We know what that means now. No chance. Door slammed. Not happening. Next topic. So, I believe Kyler Murray is now trying to find a way to back up from the brink. To undo whatever damage may have been done. And it wasn't all that bad. But, we did see the removal of the Cardinals from the social media page. We already talked about that. We did see... His agent, Eric Burkhart, with the manifesto, single space, whatever that was, making it clear that he wanted Kyler Murray to get paid a lot of money. And if you look at some of the tweets that Eric Burkhart has posted over the past couple of months, it is clear that he is going to believe that Kyler Murray is worth a lot of money. And I believe the fundamental problem here is the Cardinals are going to come in at one spot on that broad range of $20 million per year for the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. And Kyler Murray and Eric Burkhardt are going to come in in another spot. And they're going to have a hard time bridging the gap. But when Murray takes to Twitter on Thursday, as all this is happening, and says, I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. Arizona is home. And that is in response to a comment from Patrick Peterson, former teammate, who says that he believes that the Cardinals don't put the team in a position to be successful year after year, and Kyler Murray's not going to sit around and wait for that. That's when Murray found an opportunity to spin it back to renewing his vows with the Cardinals and making it clear he wants to stay. To the great relief of Cardinals fans who have spent the past couple of months wondering what the hell's going on, I think that Murray and his agent have realized there's been enough chatter there's been enough talk there's been enough indication that maybe somehow some way something could happen and here we are a week away from the draft and nothing's happened i don't think it was an accident that last thursday eight days ago we had this issue bubble up again with more reporting about the cardinals haven't made an offer and eric burkhardt has removed his offer from the table and it was new, supposedly, as of Thursday of last week, that Kyler Murray's not going to play under a contract that pays out $5.5 million in total compensation this year. Peter King pointed out last Friday, he had said that six weeks ago. And it's not a question of whether or not the Cardinals want to do it. The question is, how much will they do and when? 
And the Cardinals, we reported last Thursday, after all this other stuff was going on, have told Murray they'll take care of him this summer. Murray wanted to bring it to a head now. That was what they seemed to be setting up because if we are at a major impasse, if the Cardinals are down around the 10th overall highest paid quarterback and Murray wants to push the top of the market even higher, if we just can't find a way to work this out, let's know now so someone can trade for him. But I think that's the other part of this. Enough people have been aware that Kyler Murray possibly is available for conversations to happen or not happen, for trade interest to be expressed or not expressed. And Sims said weeks ago, before any of this even came up, there are going to be teams in the NFL that would never want Kyler Murray. Too small. Period. That's it. Sorry. No matter what he can do, no matter how far or accurately or quickly he can get a football from point A to point B. No matter how fast he can run, shot out of a cannon when he's healthy. It's too small. They're going to say, no, we're not doing it. And the thing about Kyler Murray, when you take away his mobility, it's like he shrinks. He looked even smaller in the pocket in the playoff loss to the Rams because he wasn't using his ability to dart away from defenders, and I believe he wasn't using it because that injury he suffered week eight against the Packers bothered him all year long. So this isn't a situation where all of a sudden teams are like, oh, Aaron Rodgers may be available. Oh, wait, Russell Wilson may be available. I just don't think that there was a clamoring for Kyler Murray, and that was part of what I think he needed to experience to get to the point where he recognizes where he fits in the broader quarterback landscape and whether he's in a position to make the power play that he was trying to make so I interpret what happened yesterday in two ways one the Cardinals made it clear it's not happening two Murray is trying to find a way to step back from something that could have resulted in a holdout or him going to play baseball we haven't even heard that he hasn't even mentioned the possibility of going to play baseball. And if he was ever going to put that out on the table, now would be the time to do it. I think what's going to happen now, I mean, this went from being story to watch every hour of every day from now until the start of training camp to, yeah, you know what? Probably sometime mid to late June, we're going to find out that Kyler Murray has signed a new contract to remain a member of the Cardinals X number of years into the future. And it's going to be interesting to see how long-term of a deal he does. But it feels like that's where this is currently heading. And watch, I say all that next Thursday night when when the commissioner strolls out to the podium in Las Vegas, we're going to find out a trade was made and somebody sent their first-round pick to the Cardinals who are now on the clock. And then we find out that Kyler Murray is the quarterback of that team. But I just don't see that happening. At this point, I think yesterday ended that saga as much as I'd like to keep it going, as much as I'd love to have the story. I love a good story. What do you root for? I root for a good story. The Kyler Murray story, I think, has come to a conclusion, but the vacuum was not filled for long. There was overlap. There was a passing of the baton from Kyler Murray this week to Debo Samuel because we continue to be fascinated by the possibility the 49ers will trade the second round pick from the 2019 draft at some point between now and I don't want to say the start of the draft during the draft. I'll speak in a minute about the timing. We've mentioned that yesterday, but I think it needs to be underscored six days away from the draft. But the team that became the betting favorite to land Debo Samuel, the New York Jets, their general manager pre-draft press conference yesterday addressing the possibility of doing with Samuel what they tried to do a few weeks ago with former Chiefs receiver Tyree Kill. Here's Joe Douglas. Probably the, the one that's on everybody's mind is kind of what happened yesterday with the news kind of breaking that Debo has asked for a trade. Um, have you guys made a call for San Francisco? Is that a market that you're involved in? Uh, Rex, you got this one. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to do that one with the by Felicia uh, reference, um, but uh, really, really no specifics. Uh, can't get into specifics uh, when it comes to a player that's not not on our roster. Um, you know, I just say that uh, since since coming here, I've made it known my job is to get the team better, and uh, we're going to do that via any avenue we can. Obviously, a few weeks ago, you made that run at Tyreek Hill. Um, fair to say that the veteran receiver market is still something. Yeah, it's so again if the opportunity I know we talked to, about it down in Florida uh, and miss you down there by the way but um, uh, if the right opportunity presents itself um, you know we're, we're, we are going to be aggressive just enough sprinkling by Joe Douglas who was smart to not comment on any player not under contract with the Jets although the NFL doesn't seem to be inclined to enforce the tampering rules the reality is that every once in a while Somebody at 345 Park Avenue decides to make an example out of someone for doing something that everyone does. Everyone tampers in one way or another. The tampering with Tom Brady by the Buccaneers two years ago was shameful, and the failure of the league to do anything about it really did reinforce the point that they're not going to do anything, but you just never know. So let's be safe and not mention guys who are under contract with other teams, even though others have done it and have suffered no consequence. Douglas said enough there to send the subtle message that the Jets are at least interested in Debo Samuel. Now, that's just one half of the equation, or maybe one-third of it, because we still don't know what the 49ers want to do. There's been some reporting that they have zero intention of trading Debo Samuel. There's been other reporting suggesting that they would want a lot for him. And, look, we, we tried to draft the players who are untouchable untradeable in the NFL a few weeks ago, Debo Samuel wouldn't be on that list of guys you just say, there's no way this guy's being traded. So if the 49ers get offered enough, how could they say no, especially when they may be looking to replenish their draft picks after what they did last year to get themselves in position to select Trey Lance third overall. So the Jets are the betting favorites, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet, for good reason. I think the Jets are the most likely, again, if the 49ers are willing to do it. And the final piece of this, what does Debo Samuel want? Would he want to play for the Jets? And we still don't know what it's about with Debo Samuel. Isn't that odd to know exactly that he wants to be traded? He's on the record requesting a trade, but we don't know why. And he's pushed back against the reporting that has tried to supply the reasons. And the three main reasons seems to be pretty simple. One, I'm not happy with the contract offers I'm getting. Two, I'm not happy with the way they use me. Three, I don't want to live in California. This is the tweet that Debo Samuel posted late Wednesday afternoon, deleted within an hour or so after that. Reporter's job is to make stories. Only people know the truth about my situation is the 49ers. Agent Tory Dandy and Debo Samuel. Okay, fine, but what else could it be? I don't like the offers they're making. I don't like the way they use me. I don't like living in California. What else is there? Is there some, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there is something that we don't know about. Maybe somebody said something to him at some point that alienated him against the 49ers, and that's a point I've been making from time to time over the past couple of days. However, we got to this point. The fact that the 49ers have one of their most important players who has decided he wants out is a failure by the 49ers in some way, in something they did or said, in something they failed to do or failed to say, in something that they prevented from happening. You don't let your relationship with key players get to the point where the player wants out, especially when we are in an age of player empowerment, where players who want out are asking for it and getting it, and not just getting out getting to the places they want to go, even without a no-trade clause. And I've said with quarterbacks, the no-trade clause is meaningless because who's going to trade for a guy that doesn't want to be there anyway? But even receivers without a no-trade clause. Devontae Adams was able to get to the team he wanted to play for, the Raiders. Tyreek Hill was able to get to the team he wanted to play for, the Dolphins. What team does Debo Samuel want to play for. 
I've had some folks suggest to me, not anyone in the league, just the folks who send in emails, the viewers and the readers, and sometimes I complain that the mailbox gets flooded. I appreciate hearing from everybody, but at the same time, the mailbox does get flooded. So think twice before you send an email to Florio at profootballtalk.com. Sometimes it's just too much. But but I try to read most of them, even if I don't have the time to respond. And I appreciate the folks who understand that I just don't always have the time to respond. I do read all of them, even the nasty ones. And I'll get some nasty ones. And hey, if it makes you feel better, go ahead. I don't care. I'm used to it by now. And I understand, as I've said time and again, the passion that makes you say those things to me, to players, to anyone. That's the passion that brings you to the sport, that gets you to follow it, that gets you to visit profootballtalk.com. So, with the 49ers and Debo Samuel, how do they fix this mess? Are they willing to trade him? I don't think we'll know, and I think it's smart for the 49ers to keep it quiet until the draft begins. This is an important thing to understand. This is a nuance that I think is critical. If you are going to trade Debo Samuel and you are going to get a 2022 first-round draft pick, you do not breathe a word of it until you acquire the selection that goes on the clock when you do the trade. Because you don't want other teams to know that you're going to be in that spot until that spot's on the clock and you can't be jumped. You just don't want to play that game. Maybe they'll guess wrong. Well, maybe they'll guess right. Maybe the player that we want in that spot, whichever spot it is from 1 to 32, maybe the player that we want, of course, if it's a 1, it doesn't matter, but maybe the player we want gets snatched before we can get there. So let's wait, and then we'll know. Sometimes trades get hinged on whether or not a given guy is available when that pick is on the clock. I don't know. Maybe that's the final factor for the 49ers. Maybe they'll trade him to one team if player X is on the clock at a certain spot. And if that doesn't work out, they'll trade him to another team if player Y is on the clock at a given spot. You know, one thing the 49ers definitely do is overthink situations to a fault. And I doubt that they would go into this without a very strategic, deliberate, detailed plan of what they want to do and how they want to do it, and maybe cling to it to the point where it becomes detrimental because we've seen that happen with other situations involving the team in recent months. So I think the Debo Samuel continues to be in play. Why he wants out, it doesn't matter per se. He just wants out. But why he wants out is relevant because certain things can be fixed. Contract can be fixed. Usage can be fixed. Location can't be fixed unless the 49ers plan to move to South Carolina, if that's where Debo Samuel wants to be as close as possible, too. So some things maybe can be remedied. Other things can't. Time will tell. It feels like he's in play. It feels like it could possibly happen. And until we get the equivalent of the Steve Keim zero chance quote as related to Kyler Murray, Till we get that from John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan or Jed York or someone in a position of power and influence with the 49ers, there's reason to think that Debo Samuel is in play. And you know, there's reason to think maybe there already is something that's cooked up. That was the point I was making when I made my pitch to go ahead and email me, but don't overdo it and understand if I don't respond. Somebody made a great point that maybe there's already a deal in place that we don't know about. And maybe that's why some of these statements that Debo Samuel has been making on social media the past couple of days disappear. Maybe he's being told, just stop. Let's not agitate. We're going to work this out. But it's not going to get worked out if you tweet what you tweeted on Wednesday night or if you respond to comments from reporters about why a guy wants out on social media. I mean, we have seen him delete things after he puts them up. And I think somebody is telling him, just be patient. Let's be quiet. Let's be discreet. That's the path to getting this worked out the way we want it to be worked out. One of the realities for the 49ers, if indeed Debo Samuel is looking for a major contract right now, is $25 million plus is currently devoted to quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that we have assumed 
they are going to trade at some point. Now, this is when that classic 49ers overthinking slash stubbornness comes into play because Jimmy Garoppolo got shoulder surgery after the season on his throwing shoulder. Team didn't know, went off campus and did it on his own. That was red flags for other teams that may have been interested in trading for him. And let's just remember where this stands. One year left on his contract. $25 million compensation package. Who's going to trade for him under that scenario? With no guarantee beyond this year. Garoppolo holds all the cards. He doesn't have a no trade clause, but he holds all the cards. All he has to say is, yeah, I'm not signing an extension. you got to pay me $25 million for one year. Who's going to pay him $25 million for one year? And I know the market's up near 50 now, but who's going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million for one year? Most of the seats have been filled. There aren't many teams out there right now that would do it. You can get Baker Mayfield for 18.8, and frankly, I'd take Baker for 18.8 before I'd take Jimmy Garoppolo at 25. So the 49ers continue to dig in. There was one point in the offseason where Jimmy Garoppolo seemed to think this was all going to happen very quickly. Now, that was before he had the surgery. But Garoppolo made the media rounds yesterday, and I thought the timing of that was odd. This is another situation where maybe a guy's best play is to lay low. Maybe he's deciding his best play is to agitate. And to the extent the 49ers are thinking that they could have a repeat of last year where they just keep Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're already putting that idea out there. Remember that? kind of weird effort by Jed York to compare Garoppolo and Trey Lance to Joe Montana and Steve Young and how odd that was. But they're trying to convince people that, yeah, we'll keep him on the roster and pay him $25 million and Trey Lance maybe will sit for another year or maybe longer. Who knows? Steve Young sat for four years. If Steve Young, if Steve Young can sit for four years, why can't someone else? Which completely ignores the realities of today's NFL. But this notion that they would just keep Lance on the bench for one more year and pay Garoppolo $25 million, I think we need to consider that in light of something that Garoppolo said yesterday to our good friend Adam Shine when the question came up of how the experience was in 2021 with Garoppolo as the incumbent starter and the 49ers giving up ultimately three first-round picks and a third-round pick to get Trey Lance, Garoppolo's inevitable replacement. Here's Garoppolo from yesterday. Trey was really cool. He was down to earth. Uh, didn't really come in entitled or anything like that. Just was a normal guy, and I appreciate him for that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It was. Uh, I mean, it was a strange year. It's. <laughs> I don't know if I wish that on anybody, but it was. Uh, it worked out. You know, we're, we're here now. It was a really strange year. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah, good luck selling Jimmy G on doing it again. And I know he's under contract, and if you want your $25 million, you got to show up, yada, yada, yada. But it's not going to help the 49ers sell this notion that they'll just keep him around. And this is the contrast between Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield seems to be taking the approach that he's just going – to go along, to get along, to rebuild his career, to not be a pain in the butt, to be very discreet and compliant and we'll see where this goes, even if he ends up being traded to a team where he can't have the best possible season and put himself in the best position for a major contract. Garoppolo, on the other hand, based upon what happened yesterday, and I know he did at least two interviews maybe he did more we were not included how how dare you jimmy after all the nice things i've said about him i can't even say that with a straight face so he's going out and saying this stuff that can't make the 49ers feel good about their ability to pull off this ruse that yes we'll just keep jimmy g you can't reconcile that with jimmy g saying last season was a strange year that i wouldn't wish on anybody sorry 49ers to blow up your plan but maybe we'll see more of that. Now, Garoppolo also said that the shoulder will be ready to go by training camp. So it's not like he's going to show up for the offseason program. But I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Just, hey, here I am. Deal with me. It does get awkward. But if he's agitating to be cut, I think he. I think both of these guys would love to be cut. Then you get to pick where you go next. You're a free agent. 
You're not saddled by the deal that you currently have. Now, hey, from Jimmy G's perspective, maybe it'd be great to get $25 million, but if, I, if the 49ers are going to cut him anyway right before the start of the season, and I think that's what ultimately would happen. I don't think they're so stubborn that they really would, if it came down to it, keep Jimmy G around at $25 million, especially after what he said yesterday. They know what's really going on there. They know what the vibe is, and there's a point where it becomes counterproductive to the development of Trey Lance. I wrote that several weeks ago. This dance they're doing with Jimmy Garoppolo will undermine Trey Lance at some point. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to take the chance that you're going to do anything that affects the ability of the guy that you have made the major investment in to become the quarterback he can be by keeping around for clumsy strategic reasons the guy that he's going to be replacing? So if this is a ruse and if it ends just before the start of the regular season when Garoppolo's contract is about to become as a practical matter guaranteed and you cut him then just a week or so before the start of the season, then it's good luck Jimmy G finding another home. Why does Garoppolo want to go along with that? The difference is Baker Mayfield's getting his money one way or the other. He's getting $18.8 million this year. It's just a matter of who he gets it from and how much the Browns have to pay to make a trade happen. Mayfield's thinking about 2023. His money for 2022 is already earned. Garoppolo's is not. That is the difference. And I've kind of talked my way into finally making sense of this. Baker Mayfield's getting his money either way. Jimmy Garoppolo is guaranteed nothing. So the sooner Jimmy Garoppolo can either get traded or cut, the sooner he knows what he's going to be earning for 2022. Because if the 49ers play this game the way I think they're ultimately going to play it and say goodbye Jimmy right before the start of the regular season, he's going to be in a spot where he is a man without a country, a man without a paycheck, a man without anything, as everyone else has their depth charts set in stone and are ready to go with the season. So i got to give Jimmy some credit for coming out and saying the things he said yesterday, and I think this is the beginning, not the end. I think this is an, an example of how a player will begin the process of agitating for what he wants, and I suspect he wants to take a hike from San Francisco. I want to take a break. We've got a couple of interviews coming up from yesterday afternoon. Steelers running back Najee Harris, followed by Mississippi quarterback Matt Corral. You'll hear from both of them, not at the same time, separately, when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Joining us now, a man who is entering his second NFL season. He was awesome as a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's doing some awesome stuff with Pittsburgh Public Schools. He's Najee Harris. Najee, how are you, pal? What's up, man? How are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Appreciate your time, and I appreciate what you're doing for Pittsburgh Public Schools. Let's start right there. Tell us what you have going on. So right now we're here at um, Greenfield Elementary School, and um, I'm surprising them with a donation of $44,000 to about 38,000 kids. And, um, you know, right now we're doing some drills. We've got some some footballs, some jerseys, some cones and ladders set up. Um, Me and Tony's going to be running some obstacle courses with them. I'm going to be coaching. Um, and we're going to have a good time. And this is all part of the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes Mission Tiger program. Mission you say Tiger. Tony, Tony the Tiger is there? Yeah, he's there. He's chilling. He, 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 he got his feet kicked up somewhere else, but, you know, he's chilling, though. I assume, it's, I assume it's Tony in a suit, not a real tiger. That would make for an interesting ass. It's a real-ass real tiger. It's a oh, real it is? Ass, like, yeah, it's a real tiger, like <laughs> growling and all. Like, all right, growling. awesome. Yeah, um, you, you've made a quick connection to Pittsburgh, grew up in Northern California, get drafted. You never know where you're going to land. You land in Pittsburgh, but it seems like it's worked well for you. Yeah, man. Um, so I actually came from, so I'm originally from California, but I went, then I went to Alabama. So I'm already like stepping out of my comfort zone. So I was out there for about four years. Then I got drafted to the, um, Pittsburgh and this is, this is the East coast, right? Yeah. So it's the East coast. So I'm everywhere now. You know what I mean? 
I'm everywhere, east, south, you know, I mean, west. So I'm everywhere. So I'm out here, you know, they embraced me pretty, pretty welcoming. So it wasn't hard to adjust here at all. Um, the city, you know, they're really into their sports, especially football. So um, just, you know, me getting to know everything here, how things are done in the city, just embraced me. It was all a pretty, pretty easy transition. They like their pro wrestling too. I saw you in the ring last night with Pat Fryer. <laughs> crazy. I was just talking about that, bro. I'm trying to be on there. I'm trying to give me um, a, a, a little deal with them. So wait, you want to get in the ring? A hundred percent. Yeah, it was fun, man. That, that was that was, it was hella fun. What, what what would would you be solo or tag team? Because maybe you and Pat would be a good combo from the Steelers. Because I'd want Pat next to me if I was in one of those fights. Yeah, I mean, if Pat down with that, that will be cool. That'd be fun. I ain't think about no tag team, but you know, I wouldn't be close to that. I'll be open to that. Would you have like a name that you made up? Would you use your real name? Would you go mask, no mask? How have you given any thought to how you'd present yourself as a pro wrestler? I was watching all of them. I like I was backstage and I was watching how like all of them had another little costumes and their names. I mean, I ain't got a name yet. You know what I mean? But uh, I ain't got a costume yet either. I was just thinking about it. My mind was just spinning off of all the excitement I was going on. I'd love to be there for the conversation with Coach Tomlin when you say, I want to, I want to pro wrestle <laughs> on the side. <laughs> I don't think that'll go too well. <laughs> well, what about your finishing move? What would you do? Would it be like off the top rope? Would it be, you know, I, I, there's so many different things you could do. What, what would you want to do to put the guy away for good? Something with a hurdle, probably. I'll hurdle somebody, maybe go out the back ropes, maybe do a couple backflips, maybe run to my car, get some E, come back. And then like, I'll come back with like, and then come back and use the force. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to use the force, right? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm, you, ever watch, you ever watch Star Wars? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to use the force to like, I'm going to like act like I'm, a, I'm a, like I'm choking him, right? And it's going to be from a distance. I'll pick him up and I'm going to slam him. I look forward to that happening. Mike Tomlin may not, but Mike Florio definitely does. Hey, you know, you, you've, you've been blessed to have two of the best coaches in the business at college and in the NFL between Mike Tomlin and Nick Saban. What, what have you noticed that makes them similar or different in your time working with both guys? I mean, what makes them similar for sure is the, the, the way uh, to win. You know, I mean, they all, they, all, they all know how to win and, um, you know, they all do win. Mike T never had a losing season, and obviously Saban is like, you know, probably one is the best college football coach in history. So, um, you know, the, the the way for them to win is is, is similar. Some things that they're different is the way they approach the game of of, of how they they uh, they coach. And college is different from NFL, the way you gotta coach the players too. Um so I think Mike T's more of like a, you know, he's more like a um a, a player himself. You know, he goes to the locker room, celebrates with all of us, dances in there even at practice, um, at the games, all that stuff. You know, same as more kind of like strictly business. You know what I mean? You win, he goes back. Um, he doesn't really celebrate with us, but like, you know, he just goes back to where he's at and, you know, do um, just gets focused on the next game, uh, you know. Um, but that's just the way he is. You know, that's, that's, they're, they're two different ways like that. Um, but, you know, they all win. We ask all the, all the Alabama guys for their best Nick Saban story because there's always a good one. What's your best one? Me and Nick Saban had a special relationship, dog. So I was I was actually like a, a outlaw in some ways. You know what I mean? I, I was I, I just didn't listen to a lot of the rules. So um, I mean we'll fight a lot. Me and Saban will fight a lot, but we cooled up. We we got a good relationship. But we'll fight a lot. It wasn't probably till like I don't know what year it was. Um, maybe like my third, maybe like a second or third year. Where he kind of like understand. We kind of was understanding who we were. Um, I don't think I can even say my stories with me and him, but. Just know that there was some good stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you did some great things at Alabama. Heavy workload there. Heavy workload as a rookie. All 17 regular season games, playoff game. How'd your body feel after one year in the NFL? I had a heavy workload at Alabama. I thought you had a heavy workload at Alabama. I think you, 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 you ran the ball a lot. You had a lot of yards. Come on. I probably played out of 13 games. I probably played in like three fourth quarters. It was a blowout well, every game. Well, well. I mean, well, I don't count I that as a heavy workload. I get, yeah, I get. Heavy right. workload That's different in the support. NFL. That's definitely yeah. different in the NFL. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't really think NFL or the, uh, the college was a heavy workload. People, people say that too, but it's like if you really watch my games, like I'd never really played the fourth quarter. Only probably Ole Miss, Georgia, the national championship, and that's in Florida. 
out of 13 games. I can name them. That's 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 how much I ain't, I know I ain't played because I can name all four games. Um, so that really wasn't a workload. But the NFL, yeah, it was it was it was, it was a pretty good workload. But I like the workload. I like I was trained. I trained for a heavy workload. So whenever it's you know put upon me to 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 have a workload, it'd be nothing new to me. You know what I mean? So um, it was cool. I liked it. You make a great point. A great point I'd never thought of before. It's not just more games at the NFL, but when you come from a program like Alabama, all of a sudden you're playing 60 minutes. You're not yes. on the bench in the middle of the third quarter. So it yes. takes even more out of you physically. Yeah. Well, like, so that's true. But, you know, even at Alabama, I'll be mad because I wouldn't play the fourth quarter at all. I would never sometimes even play the third quarter. They always take me out. Um, so, you know, I, want, I wanted that, that time where I could just play all four quarters and it'd be a challenging game from start to, to the finish. So that's what I got in the NFL. Um, there was never no point there where I was just like, you know, my body's hurting or like, uh, or can y'all like stop giving me the ball? You know, I was telling them, can y'all give me the ball even more? Because it seemed like nobody else wants the ball. I'll get the ball. You know what I mean? So I just like, I just, I just like the, the challenge. Well, my body was free though. We always hear about how great the SEC is. It's got the best talent. Basically, it's NFL junior. Was it an easy transition for you to the NFL, given yeah. the quality of the opposition you saw on a regular basis? Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was probably the easiest thing to do was to transition to the NFL because of the fact that we ran an NFL offense and a program. So, you know, Belichick and Saban's like tied in. So I think a lot of this stuff they do for the Patriots, I'm not there, but I got friends there. You know, they said similar to what they do at Alabama. What's the next step for you? What's your objective for 2022 second NFL season? Um, personally, our, our team wise, which both. Well, personally, I want to become better leader. Um, I, I think that I got to really step into that that uh, that area of my of my career right now is to become more of a vocal leader since Ben's gone. So we need somebody on the offensive side to be that. Um, team wise, you know, I mean we. We, I, we, want, we want to win our division first for sure. Um, it's a hard division, and we like that. Um, we embrace that. Um, so to come in there and to, and to, to win our division, I think that will be one of the first things uh, that we want to knock off of our uh, to-do list. Obviously, win it all too, but, you know, take it step by step. When you're in the offseason, and again, players sometimes approach it differently than us in the media. We're hanging on every move, every development. But this year – so many great players coming from the NFC to the AFC. At some point, do you see that? Why don't some of these guys stay in the other conference so we don't have to deal with them on these teams in the AFC? No, hell no. We embrace all the smoke. No, no, no. We want, we want everybody <laughs> to come here. We want, that's the thing. We want everybody to come here. This is like the most gridiron, I think, you know, division, like the league or, or our conferences. So, like, you know, not only that, all these good players are coming here, but they're, it's all good defenses, and I got to go against the defenses. So the more good I do against them, the more better I look. You know what I mean? Like, imagine that. Like, that, nobody can ever say, like, oh, well, he went up against a, good, a weak defense or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you can't say that because we're going against dogs every day. So that's what I like. Man. That's what I like about it best. So I'm glad that Sean Watson came over here. It helps that you guys have a great defense too, doesn't it? I mean, when you see those guys in practice, it makes the games a lot easier. A lot easier. I don't know about that. I mean, but like, you know, it helps out. I mean, we got good players on, on defense. We got a lot of playmakers too who can make plays, sacks, interceptions, fumbles, all that. You know, Minka, Cam, TJ. We got Miles now, Levi. Then we got all these guys um, that on the defensive side. But, you know, we all, like you said, that is the heart of our defense. You know, you can't knock that. Um, so I try not to worry about the defense because I know that they're going to do what they need to do. I try to worry about the offense because we got to try to, you know, be at the same level where the deepest is at. Um, so, you know, I just try to focus on what we could do as a team um, to improve better and put points on the board. So our offense, and I got to do as much as I can, so the deepest can stay off the field. So that's like running out the clock, running the ball, you know what I mean? Clock management, you know, doing the best I can really. So um, I'm just worried about the offense side right now, man. I remember a year ago when the draft was coming, one of the things I was saying is the Steelers need another Harris at running back. They had Franco, they need Najee. <laughs> do you know Franco at all? Yes, uh, yes. Nicest guy in the world, isn't he? Yeah, and, man. All these uh, Jerome Bettis is too, man. Like all these guys, I mean, all they're all they're all nice, man. But Franco's got the statue. When you see that statue yeah. at the airport, do you think I'd like to get one of those Najee Harris someday? Yeah, man. I ain't gonna lie. Every time I walk in, I'll be like, that'd be that'd be cool. That'd be cool to have one too. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> I'll be lying if I say. I did. 
Wait, Najee Harris is a football player. Or Najee Harris is a wrestler. See, there's two different ways this can go now. I think just me as a person, like without a sport, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe it'll be like, you know, I'll have a helmet in my hand and I'll have like a mask for wrestling and, and football. But you know what I mean? I'll be like just a regular dude, some jeans and a track suit. You know and I mean, just standing right there in the, in the airport. I'll be cool. Hey, pal, it's uh, great talking to you. I appreciate what you're doing for the kids up there. Go, uh, uh, go mess around with Tony the Tiger. Uh, keep your distance, though, and uh, we hope to talk to you again down the road. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Najee. Joining us now, one of the top prospects at the quarterback position in the 2022 draft. Went to Ole Miss and is ready to hit the NFL. He's Matt Corral. Matt, welcome to the program. How are you, pal? Good. How are you? Thank you for oh, having me. great. And you are here because you partnered with USAA, the NFL's official salute to service partner. Amazing fact, eight family members that were not just in the armed services, but in the Marines. Yes, sir. How did that not happen for you? Or maybe it still can, I guess. <laughs> it can, but I think my parents would much rather me stick to what, stick to what I'm doing. What what life lessons do you pick up being around family members that have lived that life based on discipline, honor, service, et cetera? What does that do for you as you're growing up? Uh, I mean, really, you know, what you you just said it. The, the the strongest things that stick out to me is going to be the discipline and you know, really just the work ethic and just picking up on that and seeing you know my dad work day in day out, you know, and and go to the gym and spend time with the with with the kids like like myself when I was you know growing up and just seeing him. You know, doing all these things that, you know, and I'm wondering how he doesn't get tired, but I'm sure he does, but it's still, you know, he's, he's just handling what he's, what he's got to get done. And, you know, my brother, um, you know, he's had a few career paths that didn't end up going the same, the way he wanted, but, you know, he kept going and, um, you know, he persevered, persevered onto the next, onto the next step in his life. And, you know, it's starting to come together for him and, you know, just, just seeing, seeing them, you know, go through that whole process as I'm growing up. I definitely think it's subconsciously implemented into my game and my approach to football. And it really is important for life, the different things we have to do. You got to just turn off what you want to do and you have to go do it. You told me before we started, you're at the gym. Some days you don't like feeling, feel like going to the gym, but you still got to go. I mean, that's part of that honor, discipline, service, sacrifice. I have to do what I have to do when I have to do it, even though I don't feel like doing it. Of course. Of course. I 100% agree. So uh, you're one week away from finding out your next life destination what's your mindset right now as you know that this could go literally 32 different directions uh you know i you know all, all I'm, I'm just focusing on, on what i can control and uh you know i feel like i put my best foot forward on on the work that had to be done during the whole whole process and now it's you know the work has been done and now you just gotta wait sit back and wait but you know the work still continues obviously because you got you know, as soon as you get after the draft, we got rookie mini camp and then, you know, so on and so on. But, um, you know, like I said, it's just, you know, you can't control anything that, that happens from here on out. So uh, just control what you can control and, and, and hope for the best. Do you ever catch yourself thinking, though, you know, in like eight days, seven days, nine days, my life is going to be dramatically different. I'm going to be bound for some city that I didn't know I was ever going to live in, possibly. Don't know where it's going to be. How do you just process that and continue to focus on the things you can control? Uh, you know, you definitely got to you know, take some thought into there, um, for sure. But, you know, as as it starts to get a little too hectic, when you start thinking a little too far down the road, you got to bring yourself back and, you know, really just be where your feet are. And, you know, at times, yeah, you're 100% you're right. I do find myself, you know, what, you know just wondering, but, you know, when it gets a little too deep, I, I, I got to remind myself and bring myself back and just be where my feet are and control what I can control. And, you know, what's meant for me is going to happen. 21 players will be attending the draft in Las Vegas. You accepted the invitation. Walk me through the thought process because it's not for everyone. Some guys prefer to be home. Some guys just don't want to be there. Some guys have whatever it is they want to do. Why was it right for you to actually attend the draft in person? Well, I mean... You know, like like everybody, you know, it's been my dream since I was a little kid. And, you know, I'm in the position I'm in and, you know, I get to have my family there with me. Uh, and there's not many times where, you know, in football, I, I get to have my family you know, around me because I'm, I'm very busy. But, um, you know, just to be able to have them around me and be able to go places and, 
you know, just to, just to experience that. Cause I'm never going to experience that ever again. And I think that was the biggest thing for me. You know, this is the once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm never going to get drafted again. And, you know, so I thought I might as well do it. Like, you know, how, how, how it's always been done and just go to the draft and, you know, do everything the way it's been done. Do you pay attention to the noise that's out there, the media trying to speculate on who's going to go where and when are the quarterbacks going to go and all that? Do you pay attention to it? Do you shut it out? How do you deal with it? Uh, you know, you you definitely do hear some noise. You know, it, it's it's hard. It's not like you could just, you know, ig- ignore it all. But you try to you try to ignore. It. You know, you not try not to look at all the stuff. And um, but obviously, there's some stuff you just can't control. It's always on TV. But uh, you know, like I said, you just gotta control what you control. I'm 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 confident in my work ethic and what I bring to the game of football and the quarterback position. And uh, you know that that that's all that's all I gotta lean on as of right now. You know, at the end of the day, you still gotta play football. So when I get that opportunity, I'm gonna make sure that I make the most of that opportunity. When you talk to teams and you have an opportunity to sell yourself, what do you tell them that you do best? What do you bring to the table that's gonna help them become a winning program better than anybody else out there? You know, I, I say this, these three things every single time when this question is asked. It's going to be my my arm talent and my work ethic uh, and just my work ethic approach to the game. But what's most important to me is my leadership and my ability to take over a football team in a locker room. And, you know, being able to create this bond that's that's unbreakable. I feel like I, I know how to do that because I've done it before. Um, uh, there's been there's been times where, you know, um, we shouldn't have won many games last year. We shouldn't have won that many games last year. It's not because we're more talented. It's because we played together as as we played together better than they played together. And that definitely just came into my leadership in the way that uh, the connections that we made off the on and off the field and having that chemistry with guys all around the locker room, that's something that I'm going to carry on to the next level just because you can't win a Super Bowl by yourself. You can't there's a lot of things that you're not going to be able to do in this game of football by yourself. And that's the biggest thing to me is just being able to create that bond and leadership to create a Super Bowl winning team. Let me flip it around. You know, you're going to a level of the game where everything's bigger, faster, stronger. Decisions have to be made more quickly. What part of your game are you saying, you know what, I'm going to have to step it up here if I'm going to survive in the NFL? It's really just getting used to that tight pocket and being able to make uh, putting your body in a position to make decisions quicker. And, and it's just, you know, getting your feet in the right spot. So you so you have less wasted movement. I think that's just, you know, the little things that are going to, you know, take me a long way and have a long career in the NFL. I know some agents who will for their clients who are preparing to enter the draft, have a range that's set up. They want the client's expectations to be set just right. Where do you think the opening is and the closing? So for you, do you have an idea of when the window opens and when you're going to get to the point where you're thinking, God, I wish I didn't come to the draft? Uh, no, I really think, you know, I'm not looking at it like that. Like if I don't get drafted in the first round, I'm, you know, a team's either going to get exactly what they paid for or they're going to get a steal. And that's exactly how I've been, you know, you know, handling this entire process you know it doesn't matter if I get dropped in the third round fourth round you know second round yeah I don't I don't care you know just it's just going to make that chip even bigger uh Falcons Steelers Eagles Saints Panthers those are the five teams that it's been reported you visited with anyone else beyond those five showing the kind of interest that makes you think I could be on the radar screen uh you know I've yes but you know I've talked to every single team so I mean it's not you know, who knows, you know, I, who's the, I, I can't say that this team's been talking to me more. They've all been talking to me, you know, quite a bit over the, over this period of time. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really up in the air, but I feel confident in, in that I, you know, I did what I had to do during the interview process, the combine and just going through this entire, you know, pre-draft process. I feel like I, I put myself at, at a, at a, at a spot that I feel good about. Are you a play right away guy or are you I'll sit and learn and study and wait for my opportunity guy? Like I said, I'm not I don't care. And I'm going to make I'm going to get a find a way to get on the field if, I, if I'm if I'm, if I'm going to have to be a, a sick guy, like you said, or uh, or whatever, I, whatever situation I step into, I'm going to make it work. What's the best advice you've gotten from anyone as you get ready for this next phase of your life? Uh, it's been consistent. It's really just be yourself. 
um, you know, just be yourself. You're going to end up exactly where you need to end up. And uh, you know, don't be somebody you're not just because you don't want somebody to fall in love with the person that you're not. And then, you know, you get drafted by them and all of a sudden it's, you're not the same guy. Yeah. Whatever that guy that we brought in here, that's <laughs> good. That's a good, you know, but that's good advice to anyone. I, Always yeah. be yourself. Life is a yeah, hell of a lot easier if you just. You're be gonna yourself. you're gonna attract what you attract, and then that's gonna stick for you for good. If as long as you just be yourself, and that you know that's that's something that I've been very, um, very aware about, and I feel like I did a pretty good job at it. Well, that's the best attitude to have, Matt. We wish you all the best. We're excited for you. Congratulations on your success. We look forward to seeing what happens next week, and look forward to talking to you again at some point once you know which NFL team you're going to be playing for. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you having me. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people.